Good morning and welcome back to Young Bucks here on DK Sports Radio. This is your Pittsburgh Pirates Prospect Podcast. My name is Alex Dumpf. I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Jared Prugar. Jared, are we? how much are we going to complain today, man? I feel like <laughs> only positive vibes this episode. <laughs> only positive vibes. Oh man, that's going to be tough. I've been in pretty bad condition all week. Um, but hopefully, listen, hearing, hearing you do your spiel about this being a Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. And I'm sure I screwed that up. It just brings a, it just brightens my day because I've for what it's worth. And you and I've been communicating about this. I've had a pretty rough week as far as yes, you goes. have, you have, you know, we, we could take two minutes of story time before we get right. So um, for those of you that, that are listening and don't know who I am, I, I am not somebody that knows how to say the word no, which obviously gets me on every podcast I've ever done with Alex. Um, if I were <laughs> just to say no once, probably wouldn't be here today. But um, so let's go back to, to not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before. I got hit with a line drive at baseball practice. I think we talked about that last week on the podcast. Well, we recorded our podcast later that week. Well, that Saturday um, – well in advance of when it runs on Sundays. But uh, that Saturday, I ended up in the emergency room with a, with a, um, the only way that I can probably reference this is probably is like being Olaf and frozen and being impaled. I was impaled by a gate latch at, at my bartending job that I do on the side on the weekends. Um, I have seven stitches, three on the inside, four on the outside. Um, and I'm looking at it right now as it just kind of airs out and it looks okay. My leg's still attached. And then, you know, so that's two, two different traumas to my leg. And then on Monday, I got with another line drive at practice and I saw the ball coming um, much like Mitch Keller did the other day um, when he had a liner hit right back at him. But uh, unfortunately for me, I just kind of turned and wore it. And here I am with my leg propped up doing this podcast with Alex. You ready for the best transition we are ever going to have on this show? Speaking of deep cuts. Yes. Yes. Speaking of cuts. Let's talk about some of the guys that got cut this week, Alex. So first of all, were any of them shocks to you? No, not, not one of them was really particularly shocking. I mean, especially after it was clarified the next day that these guys can come play games, you know, in the final winnings. Like I kind of was a little surprised at the time that Lover Piguero was not because I was under the assumption of like, okay, is he not going to appear in a game? And then he was at the ballpark the next day. So it's like, oh, okay. So there's nothing really surprising here. Cuts just seem very ceremonial at this time because they actually haven't had everyone at Lecom park. They've had people at Pirate city because they've got a large group of players. So they kind of already have the system in place right now. So I, I, I wasn't too surprised. I don't know how much stock you should put into really any one of these cuts for the young kids. It's going to be more interesting as we go along with the veterans and the guys who are on the minor league contracts and the NRIs, in my opinion. No, and I think that makes sense because you look at it and, okay, Piguero, boom, whatever, O'Neill Cruz. And now the, the roster or the, the, the way that it is, is I think as of um, recording, is about 51. Obviously, they need to get down to 26. So there are going to be more cuts coming, but you're right. The first few cuts are never surprises. It's the later cuts that we're worried about that I think that the, the bubble guys, the guys that we 
how, how they make up their roster, because I think it's going to be very unique in the way that they, that they design their roster um, to maximize their strengths and, um, and kind of de- get away from their weaknesses. Yeah. And I mean, I think the cuts that come deeper, maybe not this next wave, but soon we're going to start seeing cuts that open up spots on the 40 man roster, which needs to happen. They need to open up a spot for Todd Frazier. They're probably going to need to open up a spot for Chase Trev. What they do with catching is going to be interesting. Do they want to potentially cut someone else or expose someone else to waivers to add Tony Walters? Do they think Tony Walters will be satisfied being on a taxi squad? If it's the latter one, you hang on to a pitcher because that's just been the Pirates' mentality this entire offseason, just stockpile pitchers because that's the only way they know that they're going to have enough innings to get through the whole season. I don't know. This is also weird because usually the first wave of cuts, you know who it is? It's the starting pitchers because they go to minor league camp and they'd start stretching out their arms. Well, minor league camp doesn't start until everyone heads north. So, right. Which is why we didn't get to see Quinn Priester until, you know, this past week, because it's like, there's no sense of starting him on the same throwing program and stretching him out at the same time as every other pitcher in camp, because that simply will not happen. Right. And he, he would redline before they needed him to redline. And, I, and, and that's a really good way to look at it too. And it's not like these guys aren't getting their work in because they are, you know, going back to pirate city, they are going to be doing those side sessions and those side workouts while also being available late in games. And I think that's still beneficial despite what's going on um, roster wise. I mean, they're still going to get their work in. They're still going to get their development in and it's just kind of delaying the inevitable until the big guys go North. So once they figure out that roster, then everything else will trickle into play. But it's not like these guys are going to sitting in Bradenton and twiddle their thumbs. They're going to be working out at Pirate City, and I would imagine their own little groups. And, and I think that's something that the Pirates will have done. Um, is it, It's no surprise why they're who they're cutting when they're cutting them um, at this point with the way things are. So, I mean, you, it's just one of those deals. So you just kind of see, got to see how, how it works out. And I think that, you know, as, as we start getting closer and closer to – to the beginning of the season, that's going to be something to watch because they will start to get more surprising and there will start to be a little bit more roster drama than what we've had so far. I'll be totally honest. Now that I know that I don't really have to worry about that first wave of cuts and who was actually a part of it. I'm having a hard time remembering like was, was Hunter Owen part of that first wave was, I, I, I know the, you sent like Christian Kelly and Arden Paps who had a combined one plate appearance between the two of them. It's like, why, boy, man, that's a really su- two surprising cuts right there. Even though oh, they right. did better combined 1,000. Well, so. hey, listen, when you're hitting 1,000, that's great. That means you're perfect. Um, but no, and, and like I said, I mean, we have O'Neill Cruz, um, and it's just I, one of those. I guess Cruz is the one who's the semi-most surprising for me because it kind of guarantees he won't start in games. We'll just see him later in games. And I don't see them trotting him out in the outfield in like the sixth or seventh inning. So we might've seen all we're going to see from O'Neill Cruz in the outfield this spring. No. And that's a good way to, and that's kind of a good point too, but we knew that he wasn't going to break camp with the big league team. No. Right. So, so this is getting him those extra reps and not, 
putting that in-game pressure on him while he develops and works through uh, works through his thing his his mechanics and those things. Now we talked about those transactions. Um, Contreras was one of them. Um, Rodolfo Castro was another. Uh, we talked about Cruz. Um, your boy Max Chronic and Nick Mears were all part of that first wave of cuts. Um, so you know, plus you look at a guy like Cedarland who has put on the the DL um, with his with his strained elbow. So there's n- none of those jump off the table or jump off of anything. Um, you did mention starting pitchers, and we did have a couple there. Um, and then Mears, obviously, as a, as a reliever. But those are all guys that were going to start in the minors anyway. Um, you know, and those are all guys that that are going to contribute, I think, at any level, but probably double-A AA and triple-A uh, to start the season. So, you know, you have that, and you have that opportunity. Um, now they can go back on the backfields at Pirate City and get some more work in and start to build up to where they need to go. Hey, we're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of those guys who were in their first spring training and just the first impressions that they were left. Welcome back to Young Bucks here on DK Sports Radio. Alex Stumpf, Jerry Pugar here as always. There were some very notable players who got playing time this spring. Players that normally, in a normal spring, would not have even come close to Major League spring training. But because, you know, the pool was able to be bigger, Pirates were able to add some of those top prospects, you know, get them a little more instruction. Nick Gonzalez, Quinn Priester, we brought up Pagero for a little bit. There, there is some good young talent there. Results-wise, not great. Jared, do you actually have the betting averages for like Nick Gonzalez in front of you? I, I believe O'Neill Cruz was one for twenty in in his time in the major league camp. Nick, I. Th- I think had two hits, two or three hits. He had two hits in his last game, I believe. So let's say three in that regard, regardless, unless you have them. I do not have them uh, readily available, but, but let's talk about, but does it matter? Does it matter to me? I don't think that, listen, man, there are not very many hall of famers that are, that are in Cooperstown that I give a crap about their, what they did in Florida or Arizona before their season started, right? It's not like um, Pete Rose's hit record was because of what he did in Bradenton, or not Bradenton, but in Florida or wherever he was for his spring training. These stats don't matter. But what matters to me most is how these guys develop. Are they hitting the ball hard? Are they getting, are they finding holes? Are they going gap to gap? Where's their defense, right? What, how is their plate discipline? Those are things that you can't really quantify, but those are still things that are, you know, beyond the box score, what I'm looking for in, in players. I'm not worried about whether they're going to hit 
two for 20 or whatever. I'm worried about, are they having good at bats? Are they driving the ball? Are they hitting the ball hard? Are they doing the little things that are going to transition into the season the right way? And if they are doing that, I think it's a success. If they are not, then yeah, then you should probably worry. But for me, that's what I'm looking for as far as the hitters go. Yeah. And and to touch on it with the pitchers, I, I know he's not a prospect anymore, but he only has a handful of starts in the majors under his belt. So I feel like we could still talk about Mitch Keller and how concerned a lot of people are about Mitch Keller right now, because there's no way other way to put it. He has been hit. He has been wild from a pure result standpoint. Mitch has been bad this spring. There's no right. other way to put it. Doesn't really matter for the regular season, though, in the same way that, you know, wins and losses won't determine, you know, regular season success. What I'm looking for is how is the velocity? Is it up there or is it at least trending up? How is the spin? How is the movement? Just how is the stuff? That's the number one thing for these guys. And in Keller's case, the stuff is there. It's just finishing his pitches, you know. So making that release point more consistent, that stuff that he's going to have to do, but you have to believe the more reps he gets, the more comfortable he's going to feel with that. So that's what I'm looking for. And to bring it back to Nick Gonzalez in particular, I think people were really looking at him to just, you know, announce his presence with authority this spring training for him to have, you know, a a couple hits, a couple doubles. And while he did just absolutely clobber a double in his last game played, which, you know, a nice little sample of what he could do in the major leagues someday guy hasn't played a professional game yet. This is literally his first taste of game action. It, It almost a whole, actually a whole calendar year. That's whenever the college season ended. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff like that. So, Whenever I, I had this in live keys, it's like, how has Nick Gonzalez looked on defense? And I said, comfortable, because I really don't care if he made an error or two. I, I can't even remember if he made an error, you know, in the field, in those games. I, I could probably look it up in the box score, but he looks, he doesn't look scared. He looks confident. He looks comfortable. It, it's like, hey, we're going to do a shift now. Okay, I'm ready to do a shift, left-handed or right-handed. Where do you want me positioned? Mm-hmm. That's the type of stuff that the parts are looking for this first spring training. It's about getting your feet wet, starting to develop relationships with, you know, coaches that you're going to encounter in your rise to the major leagues. That's the type of stuff I think they've done. Well, the only guy who is kind of an exception to that is O'Neill Cruz, because like you said, last segment, he wasn't going to make the team, but yeah, it wasn't a good spring for him. And not just because of results, just because I don't think he swung at a lot of good pitchers or even made solid contact. I know it's only 20 or so at bats, but that's not exactly a good no. impression. To the no. And, and back to Gonzalez, he hit 222. He's hitting 222 uh, with two RBI. So, yeah. So that's what, he, four for 18? Something like that, yes. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, what it's, it's all about getting those guys and seeing what – they'll do you know it's not it's not a situation where like where we can sit here and be like okay well this is a guy that we expected right no like 
Cruz is was abysmal. His OPS was, oh, I weigh more than his OPS. That's not good. <laughs> um, his OPS was on 186. Um, his average was 50. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I mean, you, you talked about it and we talked about it as well. It, it's, is he driving the ball? Is he having good plate discipline? Obviously he hasn't. So yeah, that's probably the main reason why he's, back at camp why he's not why he's going to be popping into games late whenever they're out of players or they need somebody because guess what he's a guy that i would imagine that charrington and um derek shelton wouldn't have liked to cut him this early i think you want to give him more opportunities um because of just his skill set and his 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 ability and his, his potential ability but if you're not performing you need to go back to the drawing board and get that work in. We're going to see O'Neill Cruz in the majors at some point this season. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced he's already on the 40 man. They're not going to spend two whole option years without this guy getting his first taste of the majors. If he doesn't this year, then there's a serious, is this guy even really a prospect anymore? It type of talk that needs to be considered. He'll get a taste at some point. This, it wasn't going to be at the start of the season. He was going to go to Indianapolis or to the alternate side or however the Pirates start things off there. Maybe stick around in minor league camp. I don't know. He, this is a big year for him. And it wasn't a good first impression here in spring training, but it's no reason to push the panic button. You know what I push the panic button for? I pushed the panic button for whenever Mitch Keller was throwing 92 against the Cardinals that first start last year. That was what is wrong with Mitch Keller? Because that is a drop in velocity. Is there something wrong with him? Is he not fully stretched out? Is he hurt? There's that's where things go a, a million miles an hour. I didn't see any of that stuff with these young kids. They made a good first impression as far as I'm concerned. Right. I mean, now, whether it's that or I, I don't know if like Caden Smith, Dijigbo had uh, a hit this entire spring. I don't really care. He was there. He looked, he didn't look overmatched. Everyone would love to have a Troy Stokes type spring, but it's not always possible. No. And that's a good point. And, you know, it's so much harder, you know, every, there's so much that is quantified as a hitter, right? You can see their on baseball slugging. You can see their, exit velocities, their swing path, everything, right? But I think the hardest part for me is evaluating what pitchers do. You talk about the velocity on Mitch Keller. Now, let's talk – and it's a lot different. The, the lead-up to being fully prepared to being a pitcher is much more different than a hitter, right? You, you're building up. You're building fastball, fastball, off-speed, 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 whatever. Because you go out there and you have a, a plan in place, right? Sometimes you're going to throw more – off speed to get that command in. But how do you go? What what is a good way to evaluate pitchers when we're in this level of spring training? Because you look at some stats, and I'm I'm looking at Quinn Priester's stats right now, and he's got obviously it was one, start. In one game. Right. So in that in that that small sample size, those numbers, if you're if you have a lack of success, they explode, which is the result of his 13.50 ERA or is in his it was literally two thirds of an inning. Three. I put no right. stock in stats <laughs> there. No, exactly. So how do you 
evaluate pitchers in the spring because stats are uh, for pitching stats in the spring are incredibly misleading. I think it goes, I mean, two things for me, one, and I, I put this in uh, the Quinn Priester video in particular, just, you know, how is this stuff moving? And I, I think the curveball put, I put in there, it was partially because it was the best, you know, video of like, here's how it breaks even though it wasn't like a called strike or anything, it just fell off the plate, but it, he showed that movement. And I also look at velocity. Is it up in the made? Is it up there already? Is it trending up? What's the deal? And that's why I put so much emphasis on like Kyle Crick's velocity this year, because he just never got that last year. And he's such an important pitcher. And that's what I'm really looking for. I am purely stuff mechanics whenever it comes to pitchers early in spring training. Yes, you would love everyone to have like a David Bednar stats, but what you should really take away is David Bednar approach, David Bednar pitch movement, David Bednar hitting 98 miles per hour, which I don't think anyone was really talking about before the season, stuff like that. No, and I, and I think that's a really – because I, I go back to the coaching aspect, right? So I'm getting my kids, my, my middle school kids, ready to go for their season. How we're doing hitting-wise is much different than what we're doing pitching-wise because you have to slowly build. The body isn't built to be throwing 95 right out of the gate, so you got to build to that. Like We haven't even started throwing off-speed pitches just yet, right? We're mixing it up with our fastballs and location because I think location – dictates a lot of things as far as pitchers go because you look at a guy like greg maddox yeah did he dial it up yes but he located with pit with precise precision um but it's just one of those situations where you just when you're evaluating the stats in in spring training are to me they're irrelevant some people might differ and yeah so when you look at it and you you see it on paper oh quinn priester's era is balloon well then i see one game he only threw two-thirds innings now, when he goes out there again, that's going to go back down. And, and that's just the way that the baseball stats work. They're quirky. Um, they're quirky like that. So my thing is, are you coming out here and you having success? And are you, are you commanding the zone? Are your, is your velo where it is? Is your spin rate where it needs to be? Um, and are you able to, to spot your pitches? And if you're able to do that and, and build on that each time out, then I think you're, you're having a quality spring. And I think that's what people need to realize is that, yeah, there's so much more than meets the eye to, to the statistical stats, uh, stat lines in, in every game. There's so much more that meets to meets the eye as far as the box score goes. Because you, the, box, the box score tells the numerical story, the numerical story of the game, but it doesn't tell you everything. This might be, I, I'm just going to close with this thought right here, which might be a little bit surprising for the numbers guy, but like you, you can't tell everything that's going on through a box score. You also need to see what's going on. It's, it's ridiculous just to go based off of completely a box score. Hey, we're going to take, wait, 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 before we get there, let, let, wait, 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 you mean to tell me as the numbers nerd that you are, look, that look, there look, is look, more look. to a every, box score? Almost Every single like mound visit or whatever, there there is a breakdown of mechanics video. Give something. It's very rarely just oh, here's a bunch of numbers. <laughs> or if it wow. is a bunch of numbers, there's a why behind the bunch of numbers. Some context are, type of deal. You are growing up right before my eyes, Alex. 
uh, uh, podcaster arrived just the other day. Wow. He came to I'm the so world on the usual day. Hey, but you know what? There were planes to catch and bills to pay. So to pay Listen, those bills, we're going to take I, one more break. Yes, let's take a break because obviously <laughs> my mind has been blown. And welcome back to Young Bucks last segment. Jared, do you want to call this what did we learn on the show today or do you want to just ad lib a little bit? We don't have anything planned. <laughs> Listen, I'm still trying to I'm just trying to reel my brain in from you, the numbers guy saying that the numbers really don't matter. No, I did not say that. I did I said wait, they wait. weren't everything. Excuse me, Kanye, let me finish. Yeah, I am a big very big Taylor Swift fan. And no regrets. But when we talk about the box score, you're you were saying that the numbers aren't always an indicator of success and you're absolutely right i for once agree with you which is weird i don't know what's weirder you saying that numbers are irrelevant at certain times or that we agree on something because that doesn't really happen alex i never said they were irrelevant you can't just base the whole story off a box score though alex we're in the media we spin things like it's a curveball spin rate that's what we're supposed to do right i I think our problem I think our problem is we just spend too much time on social media. No, no, and I, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I, well, listen, some professionals make a lot of money off of it. Um, but no, that's the thing, though. You look at social media and you see, okay, well, O'Neill Cruz struck out, whatever. But, like, strikeouts are going to happen. We t- I tell this to my players all the time. You're, you're not going to be perfect, right? If you're in the Hall of Fame, a, you're you're not on well you're 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 not banned for life. But we did make a Pete Rose reference earlier. But you're you're failing seventy percent of the time. So it's what you learn in those failures that I think makes up for it down the road. Because if I'm O'Neill Cruz and I'm just it, I'm just rocketing the ball. That's great. But if I'm dribbling the ball or I'm popping it up, then there's something mechanically going on that I need to adjust and get over with. And I think that's what we could take away. From a lot of things, but it, it's you look in social media and it's the end of the world when when one of those guys strikes out. We don't talk about Babe Ruth's strikeouts. We talk about his homers and his hot and the hot dogs and the beers and everything else. But we don't talk about the strikeouts or the times that he failed. It's always the successes that we talk about, unless it's social media and we're talking about oh this Quinn Priester didn't strike anybody out or or Rich Keller has looked awful we just kind of overanalyze things because like you said, there is much, much more to a box score. And that, yes, I didn't, I do know that that rhymes. Thank you for listening here on DK sports radio. And I guess we should announce just real fast that if, now that you're all used to listening to us on Sunday, we're actually going back to Saturday morning starting next week. So be sure to keep a ear out and uh, the, the podcast to be named later. I get the plug first this time jared uh is going to be moved to thursday mornings from tuesday's afternoon so just keep that in mind for all the scheduling changes that are going to be happening there's going to be a mix-up in the near future just a no changes shuffle. no changes to the we are podcast you can still catch that on saturday mornings along yeah. with chris carter's hail to pit um podcast as well but um for 
for the host, Alex Stump. This has been his favorite co-host ever, um, Jared Prugar. And we thank you, as always, for listening to the Pirates, um, to your Pirates podcast of choice on Prospects, Young Bucks, on DK Sports Radio. We hope that you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.